0: Welcome to the um, Travel and Friendship, Packing Your Program topic meeting. Before we get started, we ask that you turn off your cell phones and electronic equipment. This session is being taped. Anyone wishing to share will be required to sign the speaker's release form before sharing. To protect anonymity, no photographs, photography, audio, and or visual recording is allowed. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent region two or overeaters as a whole. My name is Liliana and I am a compulsive overeater and your leader for this meeting. Please join me in a serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I will now read the promises from the book Alcoholics Anonymous. The promises. If we are painstaking about this faith in our our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity, and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in ourselves and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. There are people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. The format for this meeting is as follows. Three speakers will share for 15 minutes each. Then an ask it basket will be circulated for a 15-minute question and answer session. We will then have open sharing as time allows. Once again, the topic of this workshop is Travel and Friendship, Packing Your Program. The first speaker is Pat C. from Carlsbad, California.
1: I am had a compulsive eater. You can hear me okay, right? Okay, I think this is more for the recording than it is for you. Um, yeah, I just moved to Carlsbad uh, um, this past year, and uh, uh, just to qualify, I'm very excited because it was at the uh, Region 2 convention in San Francisco in 1985 that I did my first first step to the point of powerlessness. And I did my first third step. And I surrendered this horrible disease to a power greater than myself. From that moment on July 4th of 1985, I have been abstinent one day at a time. I have not had sugar. I have not binged nor have I starved myself for almost 22 years, God willing. I tell you that. Not to get your reply, but to let you know this does work. It does work. The only way it worked for me was when I realized I was totally powerless. And uh, that that's not an easy thing for those of us who are so self-assured and so self-willed and competent in our world. And I was one of those people whose chances were less than average to get into recovery. And so uh, it is a miracle. It's a gift. And uh, it's been an incredible journey in more ways than one for me. Um, I read in the for today, I was going to just read the message from today, see if it had anything to do with traveling and packing your program. And I accidentally opened it up to August 8th. And I had underlined... Uh, in uh, January of 06, I date, I date these things when I underline them. I am as powerless over food now as I was the day I walked in. I never want to forget that. I never want to have too many years and not enough days in this recovery program. So, it's an honor to be here and it's, it's fun for me to be talking about packing my program because I have a unique story, I, yeah, it's, it, it is unique. <laughs> there probably is not another person in this room that would share this part of my story with me. Uh, when I was seven years abstinent, uh, I was uh, very much into service and uh, I sponsored several people. Um, not unusual to be sponsoring 12 at a time, Um, and uh, my life changed dramatically. I um, was diagnosed with acute depression as opposed to an ugly one, (laughs) and uh, I uh, was put on disability. It was post-traumatic stress. Now, what kind of higher power is it that that allows us to have this wonderful gift of recovery, and then and then brings me to my knees with acute depression, an inability to do the job that I had been so successful at, an inability to uh, even want to live another day. I didn't want to go out and eat. I just didn't know how I was going to live with the pain. What kind of higher power does that? It turned out to be the greatest gift of my life. This is what I came into recovery for, was to find out my who. I was not the person I thought I was when I came into OA. I was a totally different person and a whole lot better. I just didn't know it. And everything that I lost in that period of acute depression was an obstacle to who I really was. I lost my house. I lost that job. I lost a relationship that was very, very important to me. I lost it all. And every single one of those things was an obstacle. But I didn't know it at the time. See, the good news is I have a higher power that loves me and guides me if I will open my eyes and my heart to see and hear the message I was on my back in tears, unable to stand. I was so weak from the, from the emotional pain. And I literally had a vision. It was my higher power. I know it was. It was an entity in all white. I couldn't tell if it was a boy or a girl. It had a huge smile on its face. And it was doing this with its hands and saying, wait till you see what I've got planned for you. I love sharing that because that was the major turning point in my recovery. That was when my real journey in recovery began. And as soon as I was able to, um, I decided I wanted to travel. I had always wanted to travel. This wasn't any decision. It was just a, I decided maybe I could. I bought a motor home. Actually, I couldn't afford a motor home. Someone I sponsored who was a very wealthy woman, loaned me money to buy a motorhome so that I could go out and travel. So, traveling began. I left my home group. That's pretty scary when you leave your nucleus of safety. But I knew that I could get in that motorhome and I could drive one mile at a time. And if at any time I felt like I wanted to, I could turn around and go back to my nucleus of safety. So leaving that place was not scary to me anymore. And I learned in that in that adventure that home was here. Home was here. It wasn't that house that I had to drive away from on Christmas morning of 1992. I drove away from my house for the last time having lost it. I couldn't sell it. The market was flat. I, wa- I drove away. And I, it, it's like everything just lightened. It was just the house. I found the home in that silly little motor home trucking down the road. The farther away from, from my nucleus I got, the happier I got. It was the most wonderful freedom because I really had not left anything. My higher power was with me. My recovery was there. I scheduled every single day of travel around getting to the, the, the town I wanted to be in in time to find the nearest meeting and that was how I did my traveling. It never occurred to me that because I was traveling I wouldn't go to meetings I couldn't do, as a matter of fact, I wouldn't have traveled if it meant not going to meetings. I had to have my meetings. I knew that. Never occurred to me to not sponsor anymore. Some of my sponsees needed face-to-face sponsoring, and I, I suggested they find new sponsors. A couple of them said, no, we want to do this by phone, and and many of them were successful with that. So... Um, I went on the road not knowing where I was going to be for sure each night and I never ever thought about not going to my meeting. I knew it would be there for me because I had a higher power that I had asked. Lead me to the the meeting, take me where I need to go, park me where I need to park. I learned that from a sponsor who I didn't like a bit. But I loved her, and she knew me better than I knew myself. You know, I just w- loved her. I knew that when I called her, she would tell me exactly what I needed to hear rather than what I wanted to hear. She would, she would pull my covers. She would help me to become aware of, oh, my gosh, you're right. I didn't like it when she was right because I wanted to hang on to my problem. There was just something about having a problem that uh, um, gave me some kind of satisfaction. I learned that I learned that quite honestly from my parents. You know, we were we were always into uh, issue du jour, and uh, so it, it was hard for me. I had to stay very closely connected with my sponsor, and uh, when I didn't do that, I strayed. I might not have strayed from the highway. But I did stray. And uh, one phone call and I was right back on the right road in my journey. I did that for 15 years. Um, I I talked to people who who talk about how difficult it is to go on vacation. Um, I don't think what I did is much different than going on vacation. I had a 15-year vacation, that's all. (laughs) You know? And never one day... Of these 22 years of my recovery, have I not asked for one more day of abstinence before I get vertical? And how do I remember to do that? Because I also ask to be reminded to do that. So oftentimes during the day, I have to ask again because I start thinking about food. You know, we're always going to think about food because we have a disease that doesn't have a cure. We're always going to be compulsive eaters, over, under, obsessors. We're always going to be that way. When I start thinking about food a little more than than usual, then I have to check in. I have to ask my higher power to give me something else to think about. I just arrived in Carlsbad in uh, August and uh, got ready to live in a house without wheels under it. And now I'm in another transition. And uh, let me tell you, this has, been, this has been harder. This has been the time this past year when I have thought more about food than I have in the 21 years previous. I'm going through a major transition. I'm a compulsive eater. Of course I'm going to think about it. You know, I have this disease. And you know, that's the good news. Because I know when food comes to mind and I begin thinking about it too much, there's something else going on and food isn't going to help it at all. There's something else. I can pick up the phone and I can call that sponsor that will always tell me what I need to hear and hardly ever tell me what I want to hear. And it helps me immensely. It gets me back on track and all of a sudden The the desire or the need to eat is gone. Where'd that go? Well, I have a power greater than myself. I'm madly in love with my higher power. It's the love of my life. It's the thing that has given me every single wonderful thing in my life. I started out on my traveling. A poor woman. I had no job. I'd lost my house. And I never felt richer than when I let go of those things. Now I'm I'm experiencing abundance beyond my wildest dreams. Oh, what a nice saying. (laughs) And it's only getting better. Make the commitment. Go as deep as you can possibly go and then go deeper. Ask for help. Pray every day. Use the tools. I heard a woman say once at a meeting who had only two years of abstinence when her husband died suddenly. He dropped dead. And her decision was, should I eat or should I not eat? I think, I think this gives me permission to eat. This is different. And she stood up there on that podium with 30 years Of abstinence, and she said, Nothing is different. Nothing. Nothing gives us permission to fall back into the grips of this debilitating disease. I will never forget her words. I pray that I will never forget her words. Thank you.
0: Next, we have Joanna.
2: Hi, I'm Joanna, a compulsive overeater, and I, for the purposes of this talk and sometimes in meetings, I say that I'm also a recovering isolator. Hi, because an isolator, who I was, would never be up here.
3: Um,
2: And so I'll speak just a few minutes on friendship, and then I'll go into the travel part of what I'm going to say and uh, I didn't call these two people to ask permission to do this so if you get mad at me please beat me up later not during the meeting but friendships and I'm talking about OA friendships and I was thinking about what makes a friend a friend and what makes an OA friend a friend and I would say for me uh, dependability longevity sometimes um, trustworthiness, somebody who works a good program, and uh, somebody who challenges me to risk. And my friend Jane in the back of the room who's organizing this workshops, asked me to speak here. And I thought, I can't do that. And then I thought, and I called back and I thought about it. I said, just tell me what you want me to do and I'll be there. Because if she's taking the risk, to do all this work, surely I can take a small rest to stand up here for 15 minutes. So somebody who kind of leads by example is somebody that I like. My second one, because I have a lot of friends in OA, I'm just picking these two people, is Liliana here. And what do I like about Liliana? Um, she has what I want with abstinence. She's a model for me. If we have similar problems. We, we work another program together and this one so we can go back and forth. And she's funny. So no matter how much my disease takes me down or hers does, I can always get a laugh out of my own behavior or her behavior. And those, you know, what makes a friend a friend? Um, For me, those are some of the qualities. There's a lot more there. You know, and she she has longevity um, and a lot of abstinence. So those are some of the things that I like in people. And there's a lot more things, and I have a lot more friends. (laughs) Hopefully I do. I won't ask than just two people here. Um, As far as my... um, Travel abstinence, I'll just give you a little bit about what it was like for me. Um, the song that always grabs me, I've always wanted to travel and have traveled, and there's a song that goes something like, faraway places with strange sounding names, far away over the sea, faraway places, and I don't know the next line, something with strange sounding names are calling, calling me. And that can be places in the United States or it can be places over the sea. And what my disease did is it stole my ability to travel, eventually. It's a stealthy disease. It doesn't give up. It takes this. It takes that. It takes this. It takes that. And where I hit, I would say, my travel bottom, and it was 30 years ago because I stayed at the bottom. My husband and I went around the world about 30 years ago. And one of the places we stayed and stopped was New Zealand, and we stayed there for three months. And it was the summer, and I was expecting, you know, beautiful New Zealand, beautiful weather, and it rained and had the rainiest summer they'd ever had. So needless to say, I was disappointed, and I was not in program. And and dairy products in New Zealand are very cheap. And you know those big cookie tins, they're about like this. They're cookie plates. You make cookies on, you're supposed to put the cookies apart when you cook them. I would make these shortbread cookies, and I'd fill up the whole tray. There would be no spaces. I'd just, like frosting a cake, I would just frost the tray with these shortbread cookies, the only butter, sugar, and flour, and I would eat the whole tray. And I grew out, you know, going around the world, you don't, you can't take much luggage. And I outgrew the two pair of pants that I had. Um, And I was sick all the time. And I just remember making those and eating those because because it was raining, and I wasn't getting my way. And I didn't know enough to say I'm, I'm dealing with a lot of disappointment, you know, and I need to work the steps. So a little bit about my program, Our segue here, is I came into OA in 1990. I became kind of an immediate, you know, in about a year or two, 100 pounds overweight, became a star, lost 100 pounds, you know, satiated around, very little emotional and spiritual recovery, a lot of physical recovery, you know, and and got a big fat head. And then later, because of it I got a big fat body <laughs> again, um, my mother had a stroke and I gained half of the weight back, uh, probably 50 pounds in, I don't know, two months, pound a day, eating sugar. And that was in 1995. So abstinence, you know, 1990 to 1995, you know, looking good, you know, thinking I'm really hot stuff. And then it wasn't until about two years ago that I took off, i have taken off 30 of those pounds and 20 more to lose. So I'm doing really well. I'm only losing about a pound or two a month, you know, no big deal. I'm not going to win the race, you know, to the Swift. But it's a good abstinence for me. Um, And I've been abstinent this second time for five years. And believe me, I really appreciate it because I'm up here to say I don't know a damn thing. You know, if you have any questions afterwards, you know, on travel, I'm willing to share what I think I know. But I don't know anything (laughs) because that's a position of power my powerlessness you know is just to say i just have to go to god today for help for my abstinence and whatever i'm going to say up here um so so let's let me tell you what i do today to travel because um when i relapse. I lost, this was 19, I lost my ability to travel. I was too, as a recovering isolator, I got too scared to travel. I got too scared to do anything. I would, you know, part of my diseases, I think it says in the third step in the 12 and 12, we drew the drapes, we procrastinated, we hid, we ate, we never grew up. And that's what food did for me. It stopped my growth. And I I believe that if I stopped handling issues like disappointment at age two, I have to go back emotionally to the age, two to work those steps so I can grow up to the age that I am now. Uh, it just arrested my emotional growth, you know, in different stages of my life. And, and I work the steps, and I get emotional growth. Um, so this, when I travel, because what I've gotten back in the last five years is the ability to travel. And this is my kind of my travel pack-and-go kit. And if any of you want, it's just that um, I travel with my husband, who's a normie. My husband doesn't get my disease, and you know what? It's not his job to get my disease. Now, I spent years trying to get, have my husband get my disease so he could take care of me. And, and how can he ever get my disease? He doesn't have my disease. The only person who can get my disease is you guys <laughs> and me. You know, so I quit trying to have him get my disease. So I don't do meetings when we travel. So what I need to do for me not for, is to increase... level of my program on in other areas because I take I do a lot of meetings when I'm at home and they really are my kind of my cornerstone so I take my travel book my travel bag it's got stuff about golf in it it's got um, in it um, one point when I traveled um, people wrote kind on different days you know for 12 days like people in a meeting you know March 1st March second March 3rd and I have taken that with me probably for six or seven years every time I travel. And I, if it's a Sunday, I look at what a meeting member said, and that's my meeting for the day. That's been, I take that with me. I've kept it. It's a blessing. I say, whoever's saying that to me, and that's what I'm doing today. You know, this is, this is God's absence today. And I say, okay, March 2nd, is, you know, whatever date it is, this is a, I used to go by days, like Sunday. Um, I take writing with me. I take um, I, copies from the big book. I have uh, phone meeting scheduled. I have um, online meeting scheduled. I have uh, a meditation stone. I just go get this when I travel. I have a For Today in it. I, I pack a book from another meeting in it. So I don't have to run around and say, I'm going on a trip. What am I going to do? What am I going to do about my program? Because my program, my disease says, we're going out of town. You know, and your disease is in San Diego, so we don't have a disease. That's what my disease says. We don't have to worry about food when we're gone. It's not a problem. You only have a disease in San Diego. And I'm like, oh, that's good. I don't want to do all this work anyway. <laughs> so I take this. It says, packed in my blue blue bag. It says, packed, God, abstinence, and gratitude. So when I'm packing, this goes with me. So I take God with me. I take my abstinence with me, and I take my gratitude. Other things that I take with me the last trip that I went on was um, in May, and I took uh, probably 12 to 15 power bars. Uh, they're not binge. I had to go around and find bars that I wouldn't binge on that I did like. And that, that took some time, you know, because I have binged on energy, bar, I can binge on anything. So I had to do samples. Oh, no, I like that one too much. No, I hate that one. So I finally found one that's high in protein. I pack them with me, and I take them, So I don't go more than five hours without eating anything. I'm a hypoglycemic, and I just have them with me. So that's another thing that I pack. Um, And so no matter where I go, because I think with these energy bars, I can pack them. Because the next trip that we take, God willing, is probably going to be a big one. It's been a long time since we took a big one. I mean, maybe to South Africa. And we've been traveling around the United States. I mean, I'm just trying to get safe now. (laughs) So we might just leap across the ocean, you know, and across the globe. And um, will I be a compulsive overeater in South Africa? Well, I hope not. But my experience is in 17 years that uh, I probably will be a a compulsive overeater. And so this bag will go with me. And uh, hopefully I would be able to find a computer, you know, and get to some online meetings and maybe email some of my OA friends here and say, you know, just ask what's going on people that I know you know with San Diego because I feel so loved and so connected here and so recovered um, and I think that's about all you know that I want to say except uh, thank you for the privilege of letting me get up here and thank you God for giving me the courage to do it Our
0: next speaker is Marie.
4: Hi, I'm Maureen, I'm a compulsive overeater, and it's good to be here. This is really exciting to have this in San Diego. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about what, uh, what I was like when I used to travel, what happened, and what I'm like now. And that's probably more, um, well, and it kind of mirrors my, my disease and my progress and my program now. Um, and uh, what I was like, you know, I came into programs, uh I've been I've been out there for 21 years and I came in the program 28 um, years ago and so there was uh and I was 23 when I came in. So um you know what I was like was really young and I was just looking at all this up here with our salt and pepper hair and <laughs> so
5: <laughs>
4: I'm not young anymore young at heart um but I was 23 and so I was you know prior to what I what I was like was you know in college and high school, and those were times uh, that all that change of um, just growing up and and but I did travel a lot. I loved traveling and i uh but I was, and, and when I traveled it was very sometimes it was scary sometimes i wasn't you know i wasn't with my family, and I did turn to food a lot and Uh, I remember I lived in Mexico for a while, and I loved the Mexican bakeries. They were, like, my favorite thing. So I I remember, um, you know, always making, um, you know, what was that, you know, like an oath or a promise that, I'm not going to do that tomorrow. And then, of course, always the next day I'd be at the panaderia. And and then I lived in Hawaii for a while and always had jobs in restaurants or McDonald's and – and would always take home food and, uh, constantly, one, this one pizza parlor I worked at, they made, um, they had these big giant cookies they made that they sold. I, I would always be in charge of making the cookies. And, uh, and then always bringing them home and making, again, promises, I'm not going to do that again tomorrow. And, you know, coming home and, and eating more at home. So there was definitely, I, I have good memories of, of my time, my traveling times, but also those, were definitely times that I would eat a lot. And actually, the one one time in Hawaii, I kind of got that I was, that there was something wrong with me, that there was something that I couldn't figure out and I couldn't share with the diet or with promises or, you know, and I didn't know what. I had never heard of compulsive overeating. I had never heard of any of the anonymous programs at that point. Um, and uh, it, But I kind of ha- I, I kind of figured that out. I mean, I kind of got that. So actually, what was good was it kind of made me ready when I did hear about o a and I did hear that there was another an, an answer so what happened to for me to get my answer was um well i I got married and um at our first anniversary or some yeah some sometime in there yeah i think it was our one year anniversary uh, and i um, we had, a friend of mine made made, made us a cake. And I ate the whole thing before my husband even knew that we had cake. And um, so, so, I, again, that was that. That was kind of the point where I found out about OA. It, we were living in Long Beach, and there was a meeting right, really close, and I went to my first meeting. Um, I, I have shared this at other meetings, so I'll share it with you guys. I, at that time, I was um, smoking marijuana, too. And um, I went after I smoked some marijuana, and I went to my first meeting, and it was the greatest meeting of the entire world.
3: <laughs> and all of
4: you were fabulous. And I knew I, it was, it was great. I mean, I never, I stopped, of course, smoking marijuana. But um, that was pretty wonderful. It was like sort of God working in his mysterious ways, because I did keep coming back, and, um, and I knew I had found where I needed to be. Um, when I and and um, when I first came in in the program, that was a long time ago. 20, how So 28 years ago. And they we we were given diets at that point, or a sheet with with what uh, recommended what to eat and how to abstain, and that worked really well for me. I was very good with diets, and that worked great uh, for a while, and then it didn't work anymore. And what I had to start doing was listening to what people were talking about as far as working the steps, getting a sponsor, um, doing working in the spiritual program, the spiritual part of the program. And so I started to do that. I started to hang out with people that I, I liked what they had. I got a sponsor that had a spiritual program that I, I liked and started to make changes in my life um, and started to grow emotionally and spiritually, worked work the fourth step. Um, the, there were seven years there where i I um, struggled uh, I, I have twenty one years like I said I came in twenty eight years ago, so those seven years there was a lot of ups and downs. there was a period of a long time of no eating no sugar and um, years and then i couldn't do that anymore, and uh, I started to hear about eating. Three meals a day in moderate portions and not restricting any foods and that scared me to death because I thought there was no way I could do that and I had to do what everybody else was doing and not eat sugar and um, not eat flour and I couldn't do that. I just couldn't do it anymore and I started to look at this idea of three moderate meals and that, I tried it. I had other people around me that were doing that and, uh, and was working for them. And so I tried that, and that was 21 years ago, and that's what my abstinence has been now for um, for 21 years, which is three, working on, mod, my, my goal is moderation, that's what I always try and achieve, or try and strive for, um, and I don't eat in between meals, um, and I don't restrict any foods. and I've stayed at this weight for 21 years, well, except when I was pregnant. I did get through pregnancy with you guys, and that was really hard um, because I, it's not. It's, I'm, I was still gaining weight, even though it was a baby. It was still getting on the scale and having that scale go up. It scared me to death. Um, but you held my hand through that. Um, so that's my abstinence. And what's wonderful about that abstinence for me is that it really works well at traveling. Uh, I remember another time I went to Mexico after I'd been upstaining this way and realized that there was, you know, all that was on the train, we were on a train, a Mexican train, and traveling way down in the south of Mexico. And, um, there was nothing, you know, I didn't have any food because we'd been, you know, on the train for days. And they come around with these carts of food that are like totally funky, you know, like nasty sandwiches. And, um, and I that was all there was to eat. So it's like, okay, well, this is my meal, and I'm having my three, one of my three meals, and maybe the next meal will be better. I got to, to understand that it's just a meal, it's just food, and maybe the next one you won't have a funky sandwich, but you gotta eat something because, I, you know, if I get too hungry, I get grumpy, really grumpy. So I have to make sure I eat my three meals um, because I can tend to undereat, and if I, and that sets me off too. If I don't eat the three meals, or if I wait too long and I get too hungry, I don't make good choices. <clears throat> so I really have to take care of myself when I'm traveling in that way, too, to make sure I um, get food when I'm supposed to get food. And I and my husband, I've been married to him the whole time. I've been, oh, thank you. Um, really? Oh, my gosh. Okay, five minutes. All right. So um, let me talk about one other thing. Oh, okay. So now, and, and then also, also I've gone, gone to Hawaii again since. This, in this abstinence, and they have wonderful meetings in Hawaii. So I get to go to meetings there, which is great. And um, and then my other thing that, that I've learned lately is my husband is a teacher, and so we, we, the last maybe ten years, well, I don't know, whatever, it doesn't matter. So, long time. We've been going away in the summer for long time, five weeks. And we go out of San Diego, we go to Northern California, So, um, and we go into kind of a remote area in the mountains for a long part of that time, three weeks, and there's not very many meetings. Um, there's meetings in my other program, but very few OA meetings. So what I've learned to do is um, use the telephone a lot. I make sure I make a call every day. I give a lot of people my number. There is a phone in the cabin we stay in. Um, so I, I'm on the phone a lot. And uh, and that worked really well for me because I did have a couple summers where I didn't take care of myself as well with my program and I suffered. You know, I just real I I I never broke my I haven't I thank you God I haven't broke my abstinence. Um, but there was you know I got into the obsession I got into the obsession with food or for me a lot of it is the obsession with body how my body looked you know and so I better exercise more today because. How do I look at my bathing suit? And I'm eating this, and so how do I look at my bathing suit? And you know that kind of thing. So um, what helps me is to make sure I have that. Say I'm on the phone a lot, and uh, and that I have time away. That I get away from everybody else, and I have time alone where I sit still and I'm quiet, and I get to talk to my higher power, and and um, and just meditate. So I try and do that. A lot. I, I always do that too. So and also that I try and I get lots of meetings in before I leave. I try and – like, right now, I'm in the period right before I leave, and so I try and get to – I don't I, – I've been trying to a meeting a day. I haven't been doing that, but that's my goal is to get to a meeting a day during this preliminary period before I leave. <clears throat> and I talk a lot about it and say this is what, what I'm coming – you know, I'm going, going away and – okay. Three minutes. Okay, three more minutes. All right, so what else should I talk about? Um, let's see. Friends. That's um, – you know, I had an interesting conversation with a college friend who was one of my roommates during college, and we would we kind of were binge buddies, you know, not – I mean, we definitely ate a lot together, and um, but we were really good friends, and she was talking about that she's going through the transition – she's a teacher, and so she's going through the transition of, you know, school ending and summer starting, and, and she said, you know, I've been eating a lot. And I said, oh, I know, it's so hard. It's really It's really easy to take comfort in our food you know, the speaker last night was saying how he still and I do that I could relate, after twenty uh one years I still at my meals sometimes I'm like, Oh goodie, I get to eat you know, I just you know, it's so comforting still. And um and so I was able to share with her that, you know, what I do, that I have my three meals and I don't eat eat at night. And uh so I don't have that problem of feeling bad, you know, all night long or in the morning when I wake up and I think, oh, God, what did I eat yesterday? I don't have that anymore. So uh, I still, I get to share with my friends, even long ago friends, and then, of course, most of my friends today, many of my good friends are program people. So luckily, I have a lot, I'm surrounded by people that support me in this program, and my husband is in another program, so he understands, and we get to um, kind of walk the 12 steps together, which is just a dream come true. So... um, I think that's all.
0: Thank you. Thank you, all the speakers. And we're going to have um, some questions from the Ask the Basket. So I'm just going to grab some of those questions. And any of the speakers can come up and and relate to the question. I'd like to become a better friend. Please tell me things you've overcome to make healthier friendships.
4: Um, You know, one thing that I have learned about is um, not giving advice. That's probably one of my biggest (laughs) things that's helped me have healthier friendships is that, um, you know, I, ca- I kind of have to stay out of other people's business and even even friends. So that's probably my words of wisdom there.
2: Hi, I'm Joanna, compulsive Reader. And um, I would say for me as a recovering isolator, it's uh, showing up for the friendships, you know, turn my phone back on. And um, trying to accept people as they are. Just because they don't follow my script for them doesn't mean they're not my friends. <laughs> they're like, so uh, to accept people as they are, to accept myself as I am, and to accept the progress of my growth in friendship. But mostly just to show up and at the same time take care of myself. I always have to take care of myself and my abstinence first. It comes before friendship. Thank you.
1: Um, to be a friend, uh, you need to make a decision. This I'm quoting my sponsor. Uh, she said, uh, unrealistic expectations are premeditated resentment. And um, to expect people to acknowledge you as a friend is not the approach that I need to take. I need to be the facilitator of a friendship. I need to be the person who picks up the phone, even if they never call me. I need to pick up the phone to get the message out there that I would like to be your friend. And it's a higher power thing for me. Eventually, the message will come to me, whether that is something that is the person that I need to be a friend to or not. But first, I have to make my decision that I am going to facilitate a friendship. And then I need to take the action and not wait for the other person to take that action. How do you fit an exercise program
0: in when you're doing business travel?
4: I, walking is something that I really like to do, so I always get walks in And usually, when I've been in hotels, they usually always have a gym, and so I'll use the gym also.
0: Will you talk more about eating while you're traveling? Do you take food with you? If so, what? How does that
1: work? I have my little bag in my car today. I not only am allergic allergic to um, gluten, which means I can't eat anything with wheat in it. Um, I, of course, don't do sugar, can't do dairy, and uh, so I'm very limited in what I can do. And uh, uh, it doesn't prevent me from going to the restaurant with somebody because I ask the questions. What was the question?
3: <laughs>
0: taking food with you. Um, I see. Uh, what, what foods do you take with you?
1: Oh, what foods? Right? Well, I guess I just answered it. <laughs>
3: I'm
4: really, I'm really grateful to uh, not be allergic to any food, so I uh, don't usually bring foods with me I'll just pick from the menu or when we're away at this long time at this cabin of course there's a, a kitchen so I just cook for myself but when we're, when we're traveling like in Europe I went to Italy a couple years ago and um, they have just great vegetables and salads and really you know you don't have to eat any of the pastas if you don't want because they have just so much really good fresh vegetables and things like that so I mean at most places will have something that works for me, thank you.
0: My abstinence includes a daily food plan. Can we honestly change our abstinence in something like three meals a day and no sugar when we travel or is that cheating? I'll repeat the question. My abstinence includes a daily food plan can we honestly change our abstinence to something like three meals a day and no sugar when we travel, or is that cheating cheating?:
2: I think that's something that needs
4: to be worked out with a sponsor.
1: I picked up on the word honestly. Um, Abstinence is more about honesty than it is about food for me. It's about getting honest, making a commitment to what I'm going to have for that day. And this is what I did in early recovery. For a year and a half, I called a food sponsor every single day with my commitment of what I thought I was going to have that day. If I changed, I I let her know. All I had to be was honest about what I was going to do. This is the higher power thing. This isn't something that I can enforce myself. I make that commitment, and then my higher power makes it possible for me to keep that commitment and remain honest with it.
0: What is a good way to slip away to a meeting when staying with family out of town, uh, without, uh, breaking anonymity.
4: I remember have, having to leave family and, you know, at Thanksgiving and all that when we'd be um, visiting. And it is tricky. It is difficult, but it is about as we were talking about making a commitment that, and I finally had to say, this is who I am. I'm a compulsive overeater, and I have to tell you guys, and they don't get it. They're never going to understand, but I get to just say it anyways. And sometimes, I remember when I first told my family, my siblings, kind of like, oh, yeah, right. And, um, you know, they just thought it was totally weird. And as it's gone through the years, of course, now they, they don't understand still, but they accept it. But I had to take that risk in the beginning and just do it anyways. you know. I just had to, uh, because I needed a meeting, especially with my family, really needed a meeting. And uh, so you kind of got to just take the risk, go out on a limb and take the risk.
2: I don't have, I've don't. told you that I uh, don't go to meetings when I travel, but how do you slip away to meetings when you have people staying with you and you still need to go to a meeting? And that just happened to me. My house guest left yesterday, and that's part of my recovery and isolator program. Um, my fear is of embarrassing myself and, um, and exposure. So I don't want to tell anybody I'm a compulsive ovarian. I don't even want to tell them I'm going. I mean, that's what stops me from telling them. So I told my friends, I'm going to go exercise and go to an Overeaters Anonymous meeting. And um, I just asked for the willingness to be honest and then got out. And and for me not to explain myself, just say I'm going to an Overeaters Anonymous meeting. Because then usually if I feel embarrassed, I have to justify my behavior. So then I might say I'm going and then I might have to explain it for 15 minutes. And that's that's where I need to shut up. I'm going to an Overeaters Anonymous meeting. I'll see you in a little bit. And that's what works for me, even if I feel uncomfortable. Um, maybe my affirmation is I have a right to my recovery. I have a right to my recovery. Thank you.
0: Do you have a hard time getting your food when you travel?
1: No. <laughs> No, uh, I am not afraid to ask the questions, and and Joanna said it so well. You know, I have a right to my recovery. I'm the only person who can take care of me in those situations. I ask the questions. My question is, I'm allergic to sugar and I'm allergic to gluten. Does this have either one of those ingredients in it? Uh, I don't know. Well, would would you ask, please? And if someone at the table starts giving me any kind of uh, hard time, uh, I, for the most part, enjoy it because they don't understand. When I was first in recovery and the large quantities that they gave you at these restaurants were a big issue for me because if I ate more than, than I really needed at a meal, it would trigger me into the obsession, and I didn't want that. So I would ask for a takeout container with my meal. I would take half of the meal, put it in the takeout container, and then I would have the remainder. Because I was taught children in Africa were starving and I had to finish my food. So I got to make my parents happy, God rest their souls, every time I ate without overeating. Um, And uh, oftentimes the server didn't get it when I asked for a takeout container and I had to ask again. I didn't care whether they got it. I had to have that takeout container, and it was, it was a very important part of my recovery early on.
0: What is your essence?
2: My abstinence is um, three meals a day. I don't go any longer than five hours without eating something. I have uh, energy bars in my purse, and that's really what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a quart of ice cream because it's five hours, or a gallon, or I think I used to do three gallon, three gallon containers. Yeah, that was my favorite. Um, and uh, a balanced diet. I don't restrict anything. I'm a sugar addict, so I just and very very defiant. So I just say to, to God in the morning. I prefer that I don't have sugar today. But if I do, I don't get out the hammer and push myself off a cliff. You know, it's just like next, I'm allergic to sugar. Um, so mine is just to balance, you know, get the protein. Just get a balanced diet in all food groups today. Um, and to go to any lengths that I need to. Figure it out in the morning. I have my lunch in my car. I'm sitting at the newcomer's table from 12 to 2. So I need to, you know, so I had to get up earlier today to pack my, to back my lunch and to figure out what it was and how to keep it cold. You know, vegetables require, you know, uh, Twinkies don't need much care. I can put those in my purse.
3: <laughs> but
2: to get a healthy abstinence, I have to kind of do what it takes. I have to go to extra, it takes extra work to stay healthy. But um, my other affirmation is, and my abstinence is worth it, and so is my life. Thank you.
1: My abstinence has changed through the years and in October 8th of 1988 I gave tortilla chips back to my higher power and asked do not give them back to me until I can safely have them again and um, uh, I've got some funny stories about that I don't have time to tell you but it was really funny that I didn't get to have them when I thought I had to um, at one point and um, that's come back to me because it's not an issue anymore. Um, uh the um uh I probably eat five times a day because I too am hypoglycemic and I find that um, uh my higher power always provides me with the foods that are healthy for me and and that are really right for me. Um, I um I just don't know how it's working. It just is. You know, when it's time to eat, the obsession is not there. And um, my abstinence today is my ninth step amends to me for the abuse that I created to my body for all those years. And I think that's something I am conscious of at at some level every time I eat. It helps me a lot. As
4: I talked about, my abstinence is three meals a day, and I don't restrict foods. I do make my, my choices that I, you know, one of the things that when I first was in in program, even before that, you know, I tried all these different uh, diets, and, you know, for a while I did raw, all raw foods. I was a strict vegetarian. I've, you know, done all these different things. So in that process, there was a good thing that came out of all that. Obsession and you know being totally obsessed with what I was eating all the time, and uh, was that I learned some uh, some things about good nutrition. So you know it said, what it talked about in the big book that you know self self knowledge will avail us nothing. So but it did kind of give me the information that I needed so that I can make healthy choices. So that's my goal is that my meals are all healthy foods. And uh, and that doesn't always happen. You know, it just doesn't. But I'd say most, you know, 99, 98, I don't know, a big percentage, uh, I I ha- get to have healthy foods, which is really a blessing. So, And that's all from, from higher power.
0: Thank you. That's all the time we have for questions. Now it's the time for you to share. And just a reminder that you'll need to sign this um uh, form when you do share because this um is needed uh, in terms of um recording this session, so um, come up and share yeah, if like. yeah, you could sign it right after you speak.
6: Hi, I'm Judith from Polka over Ida, And thank you so much. This is just like the most uh, perfect subject. I uh, was in uh, five states, no, uh, four states, five states and six states this week. And um, I travel in business for a bit. I also take a vacation of a lifetime every year and then try to go to Hawaii at least once a year. And um, so in the last month, I've been to Florida meetings, Houston meetings, Hawaii meetings. And so I do actually try to track down the meetings. Um, sometimes I drive. In Denver, I drove in the winter for 30 miles to get to a meeting. Um, so I do try, and then sometimes I can't be bothered. You know, I just want to relax in the hotel and do my work. And um, I think that uh, I have a very strict meal plan because I'm extremely allergic to sugar and flour. There hasn't been a time that I ate sugar. Uh, four weeks later, I didn't eat flour, and then I ate everything that the bakery could offer. And I have eaten myself across the country, from one airport to the other, from one coast to the other. And I've done some pretty sick things. I have the most understanding husband who's fascinated by our disease. He's a complete normie. And he's so thankful when I go to meetings when we're away. He's so sweet. He'll sit in the car, sit under a tree. You know, Hawaii, it was absolutely pouring out the sky. He just sat there waiting for me to go to my meeting. But um, I've done some sick things when I wasn't abstinent, you know, and it's very hard, you know. When I'm not abstinent, and I've kept the weight down for four years now, thank God. Um, but when I'm not abstinent, I can be, you know, literally... Sneaking out the door, pretending I'm going to look for a grocery store, and I will eat myself across the marketplace. And I don't know what kind of language they're speaking. I don't really care. I just want to eat. And then I come back and smile at my husband. That's not very good because we have a really good relationship. And one time I told people this morning, it was in Greece, and I just said, oh, fuck it. You to know, I'm, I'm just not fucking doing it on vacation. You know, i got to eat sugar flour vacation. It's just too much. It's not. It was just, I'm an addict. There's nothing I can do. So I gave up. And my husband cried. It was the saddest moment of eight years together. He actually cried. He didn't say a word. He just cried because he knew I was going to kill myself. And, um, and I'm a woman who loves life, so that's, you know, it's pretty bad. And um, and he, because he understands that this is either I'm going to choose to die today or she's going to, to live. And um so I never forget that moment, but you know, it doesn't always go well, but for the most part it goes really well. I do call my sponsor every day and Disneyland, I stood outside Disneyland talking to my sponsor. I've called her from countries, but, you know, it's very hard to get a cell phone to work. Um, I spe- you know, I stood on my veranda in Hawaii just admiring 180 degrees of beach and then sometimes sitting on the beach, talking to my sponsor. And I'm left out to call other people in my sponsor. I don't know why, but I'm really going to try that a little bit more to, to call someone every day. I love what you said about pick one thing and write about it and think about it all day that you heard in the meeting. But, you know, the thing is, it's about choice. And I just have to wake up every morning in my hotel room and choose to be absent, to ask God to meet willing and... And then read my little book. I got my little before I take a compulsive bite. And I get to eat on people's expense accounts, you know, all the time. You know, I don't want to eat in a restaurant anymore. I can hate it. I'm just so sick of it. But at the same time, I go to On the Road. But I do carry my jicama sticks. I carry my carrots, just in case. Because I have to eat a lot of vegetables. If I don't, I'm absolutely prone to want to eat sugar. But it's just a lot of things we can do. And I loved what you said. Is I'm no less an addict when I go on the road than when I'm sitting in my home meeting. Just, But I do... I actually get thrilled now about going to a meeting in a different city. I'm just like, and it's exactly the same. It's like, who are these gorgeous people? You know, big, small, crazy, not crazy, you know. It's like, yay, I love them. And the meeting is exactly the same. They start and finish just like every other meeting. And I've been to some really out there, like Mequen, Milwaukee, or whatever. Mequen, Wisconsin. I drove, I found 23 HAL people sitting in a room in Mequen, Wisconsin. What do you know? And uh, so thank God for the OA uh, online. It's brilliant. And I do use the phone meetings. Oh, my God, they're so powerful. Call into a meeting if I haven't had a meeting. I go three meetings a week. Even when I'm on the road, I give it my best shot. And it works. You know, even though six cities, what can you do? you got to go. you got to find something. So I'm making it work, but I, I really want more honesty, and I want more willingness. And uh, I want more than three years back to back. You know, I want what Terrell said. So. Thanks very much.
7: Jarnine. I'm a compulsive overeater and I I felt really bad about being the timing person I felt like I was I don't know a the enforcer or something but um, oh, this has been a great meeting for me and I want to thank all the speakers uh, I heard so much and I wrote down a lot of things and um, I just got back from 10 days in Arkansas and uh, it's beautiful back there. I was not abstinent. Uh, there's a lot of fried food back there, uh, which we really don't eat here in California. Um, and I'm not fond of it, but I, what I realized from the speakers is that I was using a lot of things as an excuse for not being abstinent. I'm on vacation. There's all this fried food, you know, I couldn't find uh, boneless, uh, skinless chicken breasts, you know, grilled. Everything was fried chicken, and um, but that's just an excuse. And one of the things that one speaker said was, I'm the only person who can take care of me. And that really resonated with me because I make the choice whether or not to be abstinent that day. And uh I have lost 55 pounds in this program and I'm just thrilled about that, but I need to lose more to feel healthier and I really have not focused on my abstinence and it's, I've used a lot of excuses um, and that's all they are, you know, they're excuses, so um, Thank you very much. I I really heard a lot here, and I appreciate it.
5: Hi, everybody. My name is Constance Grateful Recovering Food Addicts. Hi, um, I write down my food. I call it into my sponsor. It eats the food. I commit. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing in between. Recovery is the most important thing in my life today and because of the fellowship of all the 12-step rooms and by the power I'm finding through working in the steps in the book Alcoholics Anonymous, I haven't found it necessary to use food since 666, and for this I'm really grateful. And thank you all for your shares. I just love hearing about traveling and living life, and my life when I was eating became so small. I was 250 pounds in a little box in my apartment barely getting out, cut off from TV, and ordering in, and I became more isolated, you became more of an alien, I became more of an alien, you became, more... sooner or later you started looking polka dot green, I didn't know, you know, it was like there was such a separation, and um, and to be able to just travel outside my door <laughs> was a big thing for me, and I, I kind of see it like wherever I am, I'm traveling in life, like I'm vacationing here on Earth, and and it's all—it's all just a big vacation. And I always have my hostage meal, and I carry my scale with me wherever I go. And um, I have my backup foods. And when a, my oldest brother died a couple of weeks ago, I had to travel back to New York on a last-minute thing. And I already knew—I've traveled before, I've done it before. I have all my food in my kitchen. I just pack up my backups. I carry pretty much food for the whole week with me, and then go food shopping when I'm there for like the good stuff. But I have all my food with me in case. I'm stuck on a, some people are stuck on JFK on a plane for like nine hours. And then I always have people like, oh, where did you get that? Like Googling, Googling, like looking at my food and stuff because I take care of myself today. And my favorite saying is well, people like, well, do you care what the people in the restaurant think? You know, you win. First of all, nobody's really paying attention. Most people are self-obsessed. And then, then it's, you know, I love you and I love them, but not more than me. And, I, and I, that comes in handy for so many things in my life today. And it really is about self-love and the amazing broad highway. We get to travel wherever we go. We get to meet other people that are doing the deal. And for the most part, I can't find my food. And um, I brought my own fruit. I knew I was going to get really good protein at this place, my favorite protein when I eat out. But I brought my own fruit because I get a half of something, which is pretty big. And when you eat out, fruit is like four little cubes. Or something. Forget it. I can't, I gotta, I gotta, sometimes I weigh my food to know I'm eating enough, you know, because sometimes, and people are like, wow, are going to eat all that, and it's like, yep, because I'm not, my teeth spotless, people want, it's like an art, the whole thing is an art to me, and I, I'm so grateful that there's a fellowship for this, nobody else gets it, when it. if they're not, like me, they, they just, they like to wrap their brains around it, but it just can't happen, so thanks, thank you all for sharing. <laughs>
8: Hi, my name is Peg. I'm a compulsive eater. Um, you really got to want to be at a meeting to get to a meeting in Mequon, Wisconsin. I know. Um, and uh, yeah, they're not they're not easy to find. So I congratulate you. And I thank everyone for being um, being up here at the table and and in the room this morning. I um, uh, I have no idea what I'm going to say, but um, I do know that. Uh, I came to Overeaters Anonymous to, um, to, because my higher power was telling me that there's more happy, joyous, and free than, than what my other 12-step programs, um, you know, had already, um, uh, given me. And, um, I just, uh, three days ago, um, got, returned home from, uh, 10 days, um, on the road. And, uh, you know, my life has afforded me, um, in the last, uh, 15 years or so, um, a fair amount of going away, you know, here and there and wonderful trips. And, um, I had my first abstinent road trip and, um, you know, my abstinence may be different, you know, next week between me and my sponsors than, than it was when I was gone for 10 days. I guess, you know, I sit here thinking, oh God, you know, that, where's the, uh, that there wasn't, uh, and, man, you know it just wasn 't quite as tight as I might have uh, liked it, and so I really appreciate uh long timers uh, like Maureen saying things like you know the goal is the goal is you know and um and and the goal yeah you know and and the honesty you know it's it 's a deal between me and my higher power, and um you know thanks to the uh, suggestions that I heard. Some of them that I heard repeated, uh, here this morning, um, I did some of those and I, I, I didn't have the, uh, uh, you know, the fully packed bag, but I had some of the things that Joanna has in her bag that I'm here to tell you that, uh, that's why it happened. You know, that's why I lived, uh, 10 days, um, and, you know, through the Canadian Rockies and, and outside of Glacier National Park and, you know, Calgary and, you know, all over the places, um, with, uh, with not having to, you know, with not having to be mean to myself with food, because um, that's how I see it sometimes. Because that's what it feels like when I um, when I eat. And you know, I could tell you the number of trips that I've taken where you know I'm uh, three babies with candy bars in my bag. You know, as I'm walking through the last airport because that's where that's where I got to while I was away from home. And um, so uh, it's progress for me. Whatever you know, I'll just stop there. Well, no, I'll go on and say, you know, I'd like to try to judge that progress, but, uh, you know, that's not what my higher power wants me to do. It's progress for me to not have had a baby with candy bar on this trip and, um, and to have you all here and to come home and, you know, and have this convention here just a couple of days after getting home. So um, I think every one of you who I um, have seen a number of times before this morning and those that I've never seen, um, I'm glad to be here for you.
9: Hi, my name is Wilma, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Wilma. I want to say, first of all, thank you so much to the three speakers this morning and our facilitator. I thank you because I needed to hear about your long-term abstinence and how you've traveled different parts of the world and how you've made the changes you've made and how you've stayed abstinent during that time. I really needed to hear that to see in my mind I'm going, I should be one of those people up there. Um, my first OA meeting was 19 years ago. And I had um, about almost three years of absence. Then I came in at the tail end of gray sheet. Nobody would even share it anymore, kind of, because it was like not being used anymore. But my sponsor had one, and so we did that, you know. And I mean, and it was strict, and it worked. Uh, and I lost physical weight. I lost physical weight. Spiritually, uh, I was like we were getting little clues, but not totally willing. Anyway. Uh, stuck around through OA, and um, then uh, started to drift in and out, see, because I was getting real successful. My career was moving ahead. I'd lost 80 pounds, and, you know, I was starting to look like a normal person, so I probably am a normal person, and um, started to lose my contact with OA, and uh, continued in recovery, other recovery, and other, um, other rooms. And so I was kind of a swinging door for many years. And so suddenly I was gaining like 12 pounds, you know, the first year, 20 pounds, 25 pounds. I gained half back of the 80 pounds I had lost. And I'll be darned, wherever I would go, I would run into somebody from OA, and I just hated that. And so I, they'd nudge me, and I'd go back again. So I was like in and out, in and out, because I was in and out of relapse is what I was. I was in and out of relapse. And I relapsed a lot of times. I don't think I was ever gone for more than nine months, maybe, or a year. And then I'd bring my tail back in. And Oh, my God. Anyway, uh I've been back for quite a while now. And I'm very grateful for that. I feel like I have a new humility, that I have some new ears to listen with, maybe a new pair of glasses. And I'm uh, more teachable, I think, than I ever was. And um, that hurts my pride a little bit because I was supposed to know. As long as I knew the answer to things, I was okay. But I had to learn to ask the question. And when Pat said earlier today, what was the question, I laughed because I already knew the answer even before I knew what the question was. So, you know, how could I let God in? Anyway, the reason I really needed to share right now is because I'm not obsessed about this, but I've come to a realization, and I don't know if any of you can identify with this or not, but I am a foodie. I think I'm going to be a foodie my whole life. The only difference is that I'm not obsessed with me eating it anymore. I can plan for people. I can share in their joy of it, but I don't have to eat it. See, when I came into program, I owned a bar and a restaurant. And that was my background. That was my life. And then I withdrew from that completely when I came into 08 because, well, you know, I can't think about food too much. So I didn't do anything. But I don't know. In the last two years, it's like, you know, I enjoy how beautiful something looks on a plate and how it's served and how properly it's presented. But I don't have to eat that. You know, those other people can eat it because they don't have the same disease I have. And so I did kind of have a question for the for our um, speakers, and it's really a sponsored question, but it's not, like when I go on cruises, okay, I'll be honest, I have lost my abstinence every time we travel. And we travel a lot. And then we come home, and then we're home for like nine months, you know, seven or eight months, and then we travel again. So, you know, it's been the swinging door thing. Anyway, um, so we go on cruises, and the first day I'm okay, and then the second day kind of da-da-da-da-da, and then by the third day it's like, okay, bring, bring it on. And so um, a, a young guy in OA—he'd only been for a short time—he just went on a cruise, an eight-day thing, and he was abstinent. And I looked at him like, "God, how'd you do that?" And then my grandchildren were over recently, and I had gave them those things that you give little kids, and I didn't have to have any of it, and I didn't even want it. But I still have this thing about hmm, sugar-free desserts. I'm having a big 45th wedding anniversary in August, and I'm ordering a cake for my guests that I won't have any of, and I'm okay with that. And I'm thinking, well, I could have this sugar-free thing on the side. And uh, I'll talk to my sponsor about it, and I'll pray about it. It feels okay. It feels okay. But I know I had to give up. There are a lot of sugar-free things I've had to give up. I don't care. I don't do weight watchers. I've done weight watchers before. You know, they say you can have all these different things. No, no. No. I can't. I don't care if it's a half a point. No, I cannot have it. Not for me. Because I'll have five of them, or I'll obsess on it till tomorrow night when I get another one. And I better have a stash of two dozen of them in the freezer because you know they might never make them anymore. So you know, I just so the sugar-free things. I didn't know how our panelists. How do you handle any of that sugar-free stuff? Just raise your hand. This and say no taboo. No. You don't restrict anything at all. And that's good for me to hear that, too, because I hear that, too. Yeah. Yeah, it triggers. Hmm. Okay. I won't take any more time. Thank you so much for letting me share. Thank you.
0: Okay. It is now time to close the meeting. Let's thank our speakers, everyone who shared, and our timer. Um, those who care to please stand and join hands as we close with... I. Put my hand in yours. <laughs> okay. Oh, we can do it in
3: circles. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I don't know. Well, that's
7: I put
8: my,
9: my hand, hand in yours, and, and together, together we can do what we, can
0: do, but we can could never do alone. No longer is there a sense of hopelessness.
5: No longer must we each depend upon our own unsteady willpower. We are all together now, reaching out our hands for power and
3: strength, greater than heart, and every revealing hands, and to find love and understanding beyond our wildest dreams. <laughs>